0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central.
1: Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, August the 12th, 2023. It is currently 8.56 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Many, 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 many years ago, I had a podcast, and that podcast was focused on, well, focused on what was happening in the world it was It was my attempt to say, "Hey, hey, hey, slow down, let's focus in on what's going on in our world and let's try to understand it from a biblical and theological perspective, right? And that broadcast really, and at least in my mind, and it may be because of kind of my obsessive compulsive mindset, it kind of turned into almost like me thinking I needed to do basically a 24 hour, 24 hour day, seven day a week news channel because I was trying to focus in on what's going on in our world, news, and I was trying to focus in on it and not miss a thing. If anything was going on in the world, it didn't matter what it was. I was like, get up to the studio, turn on the microphone, and talk about it. You know, and and I wasn't going live back then. I was recording, so it was even more maddening because I was never happy with the end of the recording. So I would delete, 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 and start over, start over, start over. It, and it just became the whole thing. It, it it more. I the whole thing just spiraled out of control, and it imploded and it was just it was it everything ended in a messy way and it was it was just bad. And I and I'm I'm responsible for all of it. But back then I I I mean I still get some critical emails, but nothing like compared to back then. It was insane the number of emails I would get that would attack attack and attack and attack and attack and attack and attack and attack me. So I I started at the very end of my programming, play, I would play an audio clip. I would play an audio clip. And in a roundabout way, it was kind of saying, Hey, I know I don't do things right. I know I make mistakes. I know this is a horrible broadcast. I know that you are no better off by, from listening. I know that you're actually, you know, I've hurt you from, uh, you know, by listening. In fact, you would be better off to never listen to me again. And so I kind of wanted to kind of just play that up and say, okay, you th- you say that I'm dumb. You say the program is a waste of time. You say that you're dumber for listening to it. Okay, I'm just going to kind of play that up. So I I added this audio clip at the end. Now, finally, I got rid of it because I was worried of, of copyright rules. And could I use it? Could I not use it? What's the rules? It's not really fair use. So so then I, I kind of got rid of it. But considering how my last, I don't even know anymore. I've lost track. I've had a string of broadcasts that I just have not been happy with, right? I've made mistakes. Just things did not flow very well. I I feel like I'm, I'm on a string of bad broadcast. So today I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna look up that clip and I'm just going to play it again because I, I I think I need to add it back to my broadcast because the last the I don't even know how many now I don't even know what the, not the, what the number is but they've just not been very good they've just I sometimes things work sometimes they don't it's it's kind of like uh it could be so a, someone playing golf a baseball player it can be any sometimes you're just not. It's just not working. It's just you're kind of in that rut. And I feel like my last few. So I'm just I'm going to pull this audio clip up for old time sake for long, long, long time listeners. You will remember this. It may make you smile because this is how I would sign off. I would be like, thank you for listening. And then I would play this clip. So and it was a roundabout way saying you're right. I am trash this program is garbage and I you 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 are dumber for listening to me and I apologize. So this is the clip I would used to play at the end of my broadcast. So because of all of the probably pro, pro, I don't know even know how many for the last five or six broadcasts, I acknowledge to you <laughs> that you're probably not better off and in the spirit of that and the reality of that in light of that, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) <laughs> and there, at no point in that rambling incoherent did you give anything close to an answer like, that sometimes I feel like at the end of my broadcast it was just rambling incoherent I did not provide an answer everyone who listened is is dumber I'm awarded no points and may God have mercy on all the souls who happen to stumble upon this podcast That that is very very I mean that's I mean I used to end every Every broadcast like that and, and in some ways it was to deflect and in some ways it was to deflect and say okay guys you don't need to, you don't need to email me I already know it in other ways it was an acknowledgement of my my failures and my mistakes because if there was anyone if there was anyone aware of my mistakes and this and that and that it was me now the difference back then, I would be doing a bro- I would be recording a broadcast. I'd make it 10, 7, you know, 10 minutes in, 7 minutes in, 5 minutes in, 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, 25 minutes in. And then I would not get a word, right? Or I would mess something up. I'd stumble over my words, or I'd hear some sound, and I'm like, that's it. Stop. Delete it all. Start over go 15, 20, stop, delete it, start up. It was literally, <laughs> you talk about damaging to my mental health. Now today I don't have the, it's live, I'm live. So now the problem is I, I just got to keep going. I, get, I just have to keep going where I know in my mind, if it was the past, I would stop the broadcast. So I never can go back to those days. I mean, it was just, I mean, look, it was detrimental to my mental health. It was just, um, there's no way it was detrimental to my family. It was detrimental to me. It was just bad. Now it's not so bad because I can't stop it. But when it's over, oh, do I debate about deleting it? Oh, I debate it all the time. But I'm, I try not to slide back into, well, let's do 45 minutes and then delete it. Let's do 45 minutes and delete it until supposedly it reaches some level of perfection, But yes, over the last, I don't know how many broadcasts, it has not gone very well. So let's do this. In the spirit of those not going very well, let's do something where there's a high probability this is not going to go very well, but at least we have it queued up and we're going to listen to this. So it is Saturday night. It is Saturday night. It is now 9.03 p.m. Central Time. So that means... In the morning, all across the United States of America, people will wake up, they will get dressed, they will get in their car, they will drive to their choice, their church of choice, their choice of church, <laughs> their choice, they get to go where they want to go, they're, it's their choice Their their choice. Their church of choice. See what I'm doing? See, 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 I'm messing up. See, at no point in that incoherent rambling, they will, they will pick a place of worship. It's their church of choice that they will go to. They choose it. They will go and they will sit, and someone will stand in front of them. I don't know if they'll have a pulpit. I don't know what what if they'll just have some kind of a stand up there. I don't know if they'll have none. I don't know if they'll be using a a handheld mic, a, a lapel mic, one of those headset mics. I don't know what they're going to be doing, but they will teach something. They will speak. Let's state it that way. They will speak. All of these people going to their church of choice. Okay, they go to the. The 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 church that they have chosen for themselves, and they will sit there and they will hear this speech. They will hear this sermon. They will hear this preaching. Now, if you ask them about the preaching, if you ask them about the teaching, They will talk about how important, they may, because they're they're Christians, they're kind of trained to do this. Oh, it's so important to hear the word of God. They preach the word of God. They teach the word of God. It's so important. And they may tell you how important it is, but statistic after statistic after statistic after statistic tells you that all those people who will get dressed, drive to a place of worship and listen to a sermon tomorrow morning, by tomorrow night, well over 50%, that, that was at least according to some studies. There's probably, there's obviously conflicting studies. But Let's say this. There's a high probability that over, uh, over half of the people will barely be able to even remember what was preached Sunday morning. By the time you get to Wednesday, most people cannot, that, that'll be like, well, I think it was on this. Maybe it was on this. They've already forgotten. So, so no matter, even though they're choosing the church, it's their church of choice. It's their, it's the one that they have chosen, even though they will tell you how important the preaching is and that it's the word of God, even though they know to say the right words, go through the right motions, they know all of that. The reality is very little of it sticks with anyone, sticks with anyone. Very little of it is even remembered. Most of it is forgotten. And that is sad. And it calls into question, what's the point? All the money, all the effort, all the time to have that church of choice, to have that church there that people can choose, to have it there. What is the point of maintaining it? The cost, the money, the effort. If people are going to show up, go through the motions, leave, and then maybe five, six, seven hours later, especially within 48 to 72, they couldn't even pass a basic test on what was preached. They may not even remember the text. And as a pastor, I may not be able to verify dogmatically all of those studies, but I know just from personal experience, I can go from a Sunday to a Wednesday, right? Sunday to, let's go Sunday night to Wednesday, and say, okay, on Sunday night, we and start asking basic review questions, and I will get some blank stares. Like, what are you talking about? What do you? What do you? What? I, what like, there's no. Cl- and you're kind of like, well, what and why? What was even the point of driving here if no one's going to remember it? Now you can do a couple of things as a preacher, right? As a pastor, first. You can just get angry and get mad and you can be like, what is wrong with you people? I'm standing here holding a Bible. It's the, it's the inerrant, infallible word of God. I'm preaching it. Could you care enough about it to remember it? Could you care enough to even think about it and meditate on it beyond the the, the pew? Like when you get in your car, could you talk about it when you get home? Could you, I don't know, look at your notes once. So you could get very angry at the people and it becomes almost a combative relationship. You become almost frustrated. You become bitter. They get irritated at you because you're gripping at them. So that's not good. Or you can just say, as a preacher, so that first option is you basically try to fight it and you rebuke it and you condemn it and you say, this is not the way it should be. Something is wrong with you people. You put the, you put the focus on the people in the pew, Right? That That's one approach. Another approach is like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth fighting. It's not worth the pain. It's not worth the frustration. It's not worth the anxiety. Who cares? They don't care. I don't care. So, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll find a, 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 one of those uh, services that will send me a sermon each week. I'll look it over. I'll modify it to make it mine. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll do a little bit of work here or there and I'm just going to I'm just going to phone it in. You want? You don't care? I don't care. You want? I'll give you a little canned presentation. It's never going to ruffle any fe- feathers. It's not going to make anyone mad. It's going to sound good. It's going to sound authoritative. It's going to sound like I gave a lot of time to it. You know, and I'll, I'll or I'll just you know do these little devotional messages. I make sure you get your two, three little points. I'll throw in a little Jesus. I'll say all. I'll make sure I, I sprinkle it with Christian ease and spirituality. You'll think it's something good. You'll say good sermon, pastor. And we both can look at each other and kind of wink at each other because you don't care if it's good. I don't care if it's good. You're not going to remember it. And I don't care if you remember it. And we all just keep playing church. Oh, that's that's a good way. You could do that. You could fight it or you could just kind of just give in to it and say, I'll play along. We're all going to play church. I can play right along with you. You've got your part. I got my part. We'll play our parts. And everyone will pat themselves on the back going, Oh, praise God. I've got such a good church. Oh, praise God. And we'll, we'll all talk all sanctimonious and, well, well uh you know, it just makes me you know, sick. But you get the idea. Sometimes I wish I could do that one. I wish I could get, I could, I could, I, I could, you know, I could, I could figure it out. A third approach is you could be, Well, maybe, 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 maybe the problem isn't in the pew. Maybe the problem is behind the pulpit. Maybe we got to change the way we preach. Maybe we need a new way to preach. Now, many have tried to address this problem from that perspective. Now, they go- will get criticized as being liberal and being apostate. Because many of them will say, well, let's use movie clips. Or many of them, will, we need a drama team. Or they'll try to use object lessons or... They try to change up the traditional sermon 150%, right? Now you're going to get criticized for it. Now some of them who've radically changed the standard sermon, uh, preaching of the text, many of them do attract large crowds. Now what makes me angry? are the lay people who criticize it and condemn it, but then they can't remember what was preached at their church 72 hours ago. How dare you criticize some pastor trying to find a new way to preach when you can't even remember what's preached in your traditional church in your traditional way? Now, I'm not saying that all these new ways are good. I'm saying I can understand why. You either fight the people or you just give in and play along or you're like, okay, I'm going to look at myself. What can I do? What can, how should I preach? And you remember, there's lots of debates on how it should be done. Some believe it must be verse by verse, expositional preaching. You start in a book and verse by verse by verse by verse, week after 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 week, you get seven weeks in, nobody can remember anything that was preached. But hey, we went verse by verse through that book. So everyone can pat themselves on the back and go, I go to a church that expounds the scripture and we spent 18 years in the book of Jeremiah and we're so godly. And you're like, okay, let me ask you some basic questions about Jeremiah. Uh, well, uh, well, uh, yeah. Okay. I know that because I spent years going through books and I can ask people basic questions about those books and lo and behold, no one remembers anything. So I'm not against expositional preaching of verse by verse because that's the way I typically do things. But you can, you can approach it that way. Others are like, man, that's not going to work. Okay. Because one, it's just you're in the same book for so long. People just kind of lose focus, right? People's attention spans are short. So then they're like, you know what we have to do? We have to do series, but the series need to be about six or seven weeks long. And you gotta, you gotta get them, you gotta hype it up. Boom. That'll keep them for the first two or three weeks, right? You're hyping them up. And then you've only got like three weeks left. And then in about week four or five, you start hyping the next series. And, and, and you may, you may spend six, six weeks in a book. Who cares if you get to go through it all of it because you at least maintain their attention. So every six weeks, and you may make a, a video trailer for the next series and you hype it up and uh, yeah. And then so that works for some people. That kind of a more series, you know, a short series based approach. Some like a more topical approach. Some thinks you need to be, you know, a very outline driven, you know, you got to have points. Some believe you you need to make sure all your points start with the same letter. All these techniques and all of these techniques are utilized to try to, that something happen. something that happens in church will actually it will be remembered. So, you know, make sure you use this, you know, speaking technique, you know, inflection in your voice, uh, good eye contact, you know, like all these things. And and so you're always, and I think all of these are just fleshly ideas to try to make it work. But uh, sadly, you, you people say, well, you shouldn't do it in a fleshly way. Well, you can say that and you can talk a big game, but, you know, you, you want people to actually remember. And well, you do want people to show up at your church, right? So you know, it's easy to talk a big game. When it's not, you know, your livelihood on the line, right? It's it's easy to say, why would the pastor do that? I don't know. Maybe he's trying to keep his job. Maybe he's trying to make sure his bills can be paid. Maybe he's hoping he can make a little money from all of the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours he puts in. Maybe he's hoping, you know, there, you know, something, maybe. You say, well, how dare he think that way? Okay. Yeah. And I bet you, you don't think that way at all. So there's all these ideas. Which one is right? Which one is wrong? Now, because it's Saturday night, I've got to stand in front of people tomorrow morning. And we're in Jeremiah. We've been in Jeremiah. Supposed to be done with the book by the end of the summer. Obviously, we're not accomplishing that. And we're already in a weird place on how I'm supposed to approach tomorrow. Because Wednesday, we kind of found ourselves discussing the doctrine of hell. Even really, that's not where we're supposed to be. Because of the name of these places. Then the book of Jeremiah. Okay. and we, and we we So, we're kind of like, we're kind of not... I got to figure out how to finish that up in the first hour. Then in the next hour, really go back work through Jeremiah nineteen. I don't, there's no way we're going to get to Jeremiah twenty. And then Sunday night, maybe Jeremiah twenty. So I don't really know exactly how to approach it. It's going to be it's going to be kind of messy and disjointed and clunky. And you know, hey, I, I can pl- you know I can play that audio clip that I played here at the beginning for the, for everyone at church tomorrow because it's probably not going to be that great. I kind of already going in with low expectations. So I'm already trying to figure that out. But then I get an email about the, the, what, what good preaching really is. And the email told me that good preaching, really good preaching that people will remember, good preaching that will make an impact is actually good storytelling. If you tell, if you're a good storyteller, you'll be a good preacher and your sermons will be remembered. Now, is that what do you think? Think that's good? Think that's bad? Well, there was a vi- there was a video. I don't know what year the video was made. Now, the video starts off hilarious to me because it was, I guess it's at some conference, right? And one of the sessions had to do with preaching. I don't know, but then what? what so the, at the beginning, they show these people kind of like a. I don't know what, maybe it's a church. I don't know what kind of building. And there's people there. They got the name tags on. They're at some kind of conference. There's some tables set up, you know. I don't know if they were having a session there. And then over in the corner, there's like this young, these young people with a guitar, a bass, drum, and they're going to town playing. But when the camera pans back to the audience, it's all these older people, right? And they're kind of looking at these young kids. And I think what they're thinking is this is loud and this is not... What is that? It's just so weird. But to hear the music and then look at the crowd, you're kind of like, I think this crowd would prefer that you're up there singing Amazing Grace or, you know, Just As I Am or some classic hymn or or maybe just some soft music with a piano and maybe a violin. Like, like, it just looks like the music doesn't fit the crowd. It's just so weird. But then what's weird is I, you thought then the presentation will be in front of this audience. But then the video goes to an interview. Okay, so I don't really know how, why they put the video together. It looks like the video was made in the 80s or the 90s, maybe the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. The whole thing is just bizarre. I started watching it. And of course, you know what I did because I'm a fool. I was like, well, let's let's just go live and talk about this. I have no idea which direction it's going to go. But hey, if it's going to talk about storytelling and preaching, I need to hear Maybe how to be a good preacher. Oh, maybe, maybe how to be a good podcaster. I have read all the things about how to be a good podcaster and I don't follow any of those rules, but that's okay. But I am curious. Now, the main thing I'm curious about, once again, is the people sitting in the pew, right? Because the people in the pew, they know what they're supposed to say, right? The people in the pew are trained to sound spiritual. So like, we want the Bible to be taught. and We want our, our sermons to be, well, they, they say all the right things. But so many times they say that and then you give them that and they'll be like, peace out, we're gone. And you're like, okay, so you really didn't care about all the stuff you said in the first place. I wish people in the pew could just be brutally honest and go, here's what I want in church. I want the sermon to be 30 minutes. I don't care how in depth you go. And I want it to be interesting. Now people will say, oh, I want all of this. And then when you really try to give them what they want, so many times they're like, well, maybe I, I didn't, that's not exactly what I wanted. And sometimes they can't even articulate exactly what they want, but they will criticize, they will criticize. So um, I, we're, we're going to listen to this. I have no idea where it's going to go. It's seven minutes and 23 seconds. So I, I don't know what's getting ready to happen. But they're interviewing someone who's supposedly some kind of expert on preaching. And I guess he's going to tell us that storytelling is the key. Storytelling is the key. Now I want you to to tell me what you think. And I'm going to try to figure because my views on preaching have dramatically changed over the like I now I hate the standard sermon structure I hate it I think the standard sermon structure should be taken out back and put down to be as and I'm not that's not referencing a hurt of a person or an animal I'm saying the sermon structure as used in most churches the way most churches do preaching that whole structure needs to be put down it needs to be killed Not people, the structure. Okay. Someone will think I'm promoting violence and I'm not. Because that, because look, we've got years and years and years of it and nobody can even remember what's preached. So it doesn't really matter. So I say blow that up. And I, my thing is, Hey, you're here. We're going to dig in. We're going to dig into the text and we're going to not, I don't care if you, I'm not here to give you a sermon. I'm here to get you into the text and we're going to study and we're going to struggle and we're going to ask questions and we're going to figure it out and we're going to work together and I'm going to have you looking things up and, and we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're just going to work together to figure it out. Like you're showing up almost like a, at a, a classroom where you're not just going to be lectured to, but where we're going to work together to figure out the text and, and you, we may leave with more questions than answers and we're not going to have a simple sermon structure. Now, some people don't like that. They want the sermon. They want the sermon. Now, they'll tell you they want in-depth teaching, but they don't want the in-depth teaching to go too in-depth because it's got to maintain within the nice little structure of a sermon where you get your three-point, you get your introduction, you got your body, and you got your conclusion. It's nice and put together, and it feels like church. I hate that. So I'm by no means an expert on what to do, because obviously my way of doing things is the most unpopular way on planet Earth. Nobody likes what I do. Nobody does. Right. Because, I mean, I mean, look, either if people loved it so much, support would be pouring in. Okay, our numbers would be through the roof. Or at least people would be like actually coming to our building. Okay. People don't like my approach to preaching. I'm telling you, a lot of people think they do. But I, I think, that, I'll put it this way, there's probably, I, I shouldn't say no one. There's a small minority of a minority of a minority of a minority that does. And I am grateful that those people are out there because I, I just can't ever go back to the old way of doing things. I just, I hate it. And I've got too much evidence to show you that it's a waste of time in the first place. But see. I could just give in and go, you know what? You want your nice little three points? Well, come on. I'll phone it in on Sunday and you'll be happy and I'll be happy. You're not going to remember it by next Sunday, but nobody really cares after all, right? So wink, wink, wink. Did you like your little sermon? Okay. All right. Yeah, but I, I can't do that, but let's see what they promote here. Who knows? Who knows where this is going? I have no, at this point, I'm concerned that it's not even going to be going anywhere close to what we just talked about. And I've wasted 27 minutes, but that's okay because I got an audio clip that I can play at the end of this. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. This is going to begin with this this group of young people (laughs) playing their hearts out where a bunch of older people are looking around like, what is this noise? Could you turn it down? I'd rather be talking to my per- the per- person next to me. The whole thing is hilarious to me just seeing it on video, but here here we go. Here we go. Again, this video looks like it was made in the 80s or early 90s. Here we go. <music>
2: I know you do a lot of storytelling at the Craddock Center, which has become a a center for storytelling. What do you think is more effective, a good
0: story or a good sermon? Well, that's a toughie. A good sermon, it seems to me, has a story-like quality to it. That is, it is a kind of narration. A good sermon gives you all along a sense of an ending. This is going somewhere. Well, that's true of a story. There are a lot of preachers who never tell stories but have the reputation of being good storyteller because the way their sermons move. Now, that's interesting. So,
1: is a good sermon storytelling or does a good sermon follow storytelling concepts? Now, there's a part of me I I know I don't think anyone would ever, I don't think I would ever be, t- I don't think anyone would ever say I'm a good storyteller. I don't think anyone would. I don't think so. I could be wrong, but I, I think it would be a few, I think it would be people who have probably been drinking heavily who would think I'm a good storyteller. I don't think most would, all right But I do know this. I do think of storytelling concepts sometimes in my preaching. For example, if we are... If we're reading a text, say, in the Old Testament, like it's going to be like a historical narrative. A lot of preachers will read the whole text, right, before they start. I will not do that because i feel like it breaks up like the story if if the text is presented as a story then i like for us to walk through it like we don't know what's going to happen right I, if i just read it all before we start well then you just heard the whole thing so then i'm just retelling what you already heard and it just no 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 and and sometimes like i'll 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 like try to walk through it and i may and it drives me crazy because a lot of people even my own church still don't get it right uh, i will say something like well what about this and that doesn't work and someone will be like it's the next verse and i'll be like maybe you should just be quiet and let us get to the next verse, right? I know the next verse is there. I'm talking as if I don't know the next verse is is there because we haven't got to the next verse. So we're dealing with this verse and then dealing with how it may make us feel. And then let the next verse go, oh, okay, okay, that explains it. People do that to me all the time because a lot of times when we're working through the text, people— Oh, drives me crazy when you're preaching is everyone, no one's looking up, they're, they're reading ahead and you're like, we are in verse two. Why are you reading verse eight? Could you pay attention? Drives me crazy because i very mindful of trying to work through the text as if we're reading a story. Like it's a story. You're like, well, what? Why is it? Why is God doing this? It makes no sense. And someone all of a sudden, no, well, it makes perfect sense because in five chapters later, God's going to say, I'm like, we're not five chapters later. We are in this chapter. We are in this verse. So we're working through it like we don't know what's coming. Because we don't want to impose our presupposition upon the text. We want the text to take us to the conclusion. We don't want to implant. We don't want to put the a conclusion there. We'll let the text get us there. And people always, you'll hear that sometimes. People will be like, well, in verse four, it says, and I'm like, we're not in verse four. Would you let me do this my way, please, please, please? But so, so I am mindful of storytelling in that sense. I do love Storytelling. I love looking at storytelling structure. So a lot of times I will try to put my sermon together in kind of a storytelling. Like I don't, I may not tell stories, but I am, I try to structure things in a storytelling structure. Does that make sense? In other words, I may not tell stories, but I'm using the structure of storytelling. Now I'm not very good at it because then I would be known for it. But even in the podcast, I try Right, like I, I try to build this. Like, okay, here's where, how we're going to start, and then we're going to end. And and I'm trying to kind of, I'll try to structure. It, like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen next, do we? What's going to happen? And like, I'm trying to build that. Like, we're 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 going somewhere. Like, I'm trying to show you we're going somewhere. Um. All right, someone just said, this goes back to the dichotomy you made in your previous podcast of preaching versus teaching regarding storytelling. Yes, okay. It does kind of go back to that. Um, I, that And uh, I don't know exactly which broadcast that was because, well, I do so many broadcasts, I, I can't always keep up. But there is definitely, um, there is a, a dichotomy there. There is a dichotomy. I, and I think there is a, I, I, because like on one hand, see, there's a part of me, See, there would have been, I think if I was younger, When I was younger, I would have been like, how dare you say storytelling? I'm supposed to be preaching, right? But then I, I, even then, even back then, I was still very careful, like with the narrative. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to, like if I'm even structuring it, my points, I'm like, well, this point has to be based just on this. It can't offer any hint on what's coming. So even then I was, because I was like, you know, I've got to preach the word of God. I'm not, I'm not here to tell stories. So I I still was mindful of storytelling structure. So I I think the structure – I don't think anyone should condemn the structure of storytelling. I think the structure of storytelling is just good communication, right? Because you're building – You're like, here's the beginning and then you're building and you're trying to show people we're going somewhere. And then hopefully you'll, you bring it home. You bring it home to some kind of conclusion. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, some may say you're using man's wisdom and, and you're, you know, you're negating the power of God's word. And I understand you can use some of the verses in Corinthians, but I think, I think there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. Now, my concern is when I hear storytelling, when I hear the word storytelling, what comes to my mind is we we heard this, if you listen to all of our reviews of the messages uh, from the Sword of the Lord conference this year, uh, a lot of those sermons were just storytelling, storytelling. And most of the time it was storytelling about the pastor. I did this, I did this, and I went here, and I did this, and this happened, and, and it and, And now you could call those not stories, you could call them personal illustrations, but they're telling stories. Now, in those cases, I'm not so sure about that because then the sermon becomes more about you. But even whether you want to call it stories or illustrations, I think there's a danger where people don't remember the actual text or the theology or the doctrine or the point you're making. All they remember is your your story, your illustration. And there are, there are sermons that people in my own church, they remember the story. They remember the illustration. They cannot tell you what it was connected to. Well, guess what? That was horrible. That was bad. That was a failure on my part. That was a failure on my part because I thought it was going to bring— I thought it was going to turn on the light and bring clarity to the point. And all it did was distract from the point and everyone can remember the funny story or whatever it was and not remember the point. That's on me as a, as a, as a, as a communicator. I should have realized what I was doing. I was, I was overshadowing the actual text. But I think that, so I, I do like that maybe he's kind of saying there's storytelling and then there's preachers who don't tell stories, but they're using the structure. Okay, I, I kind of like that idea, right? I, I may, I may try to back this up and just play this whole part again, all right? Okay, maybe we're well, probably going to go back too far. That's okay. Maybe the music again, but I think we should hear this. I think we should hear this because uh, I, I think, and I, I, I could be wrong, but I believe most people in the pew. Now, if you said storytelling or preaching. I think people say, I want preaching, I don't want storytelling. But if you want preaching utilizing element, the, the construct or the principles of storytelling, I think many people in the pew, if they're honest, they're going to remember that and follow that better. Probably, I, I would think.
2: Story or a good sermon?
0: Well, that's a toughie. A good sermon, it seems to me, has a story-like quality to it. That is, it is a kind of narration. A good sermon gives you all along a sense of an ending. This is going somewhere. Well, that's true of a story. There are a lot of preachers who never tell stories but have the reputation of being good storyteller because the way their sermons move. Movement is more important than structure because it's not going to be pictured on a camera. It's going to be heard by the ear. Now, a good. Now, I like that. Movement is more important than structure.
1: Movement is more important than structure. Movement is more important than structure. That's pretty fascinating, at least in my mind. Movement is more important than structure. How it moves, not necessarily how it's structured. Now, I definitely... Over the years, I've thrown out the structure concept. I'm not so worried about the structure anymore. I don't care. I don't care if I got three points. I don't care. I, you know, I got sub points. I used to be like outline it out. Now I don't really. Now it's like I do. Like how how are we going to move through this? I'm more now worried about what I'm more focused on now is, all right, guys, it's almost like I kind of see it as as a team. All right, guys, here we go. All right. Like we we did on Wednesday night. If you go back and listen to the sermon from Wednesday, you know, hey, guys, we got these places mentioned in Jeremiah 19 these are the very places that are associated with what we refer to as hell. It's that very location, this the, and horrible things happen in this place. And then it was turned into a garbage dump and then they burned the garbage there. Okay. All right. So, and this raises questions about the nature of hell because people who believe in annihilationism. Come, okay. So like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to work on. And now am I, I'm just more worried about work, working together to try to figure it out. Right. And, but I put it forth as, Okay, guys, now what some would be is just be very authoritative and very dogmatic. This is what we believe about hell. This is it. And I'm like, okay, guys, like we don't, what do we, what should we believe about hell? Like I throw out any dogmatic conclusion and say, all right, here's what we're going to try to figure out and then try to leave. I'm just want to move through it. I have no structure in mind. I just want to move through it. Now, that throws some people way off because some people immediately go, what do you mean? What do you mean? No, 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 no. This is the right way. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Your presupposition doesn't get to come in yet. See, your presupposition has to be left behind the church building. That's where you have to leave it. Then you come in here. We work through it as if we don't know. Because maybe our past knowing is incorrect, so then we're going to study anew. That, that's that's the way I always try to. And it makes people nervous. People get really—you can just see them getting all worked up—and it's like, stay calm, we, because maybe your past conclusion was wrong. The only way for to know if your past conclusion was right is to retest it every single time you study. So um, I I do agree. Mo- I think I agree. Movement is more important than structure. I don't care about the structure. I think the sermon structure has been detrimental, is my own personal feeling. That, that's really good. I'm going to back it up just a little bit more where we can hear some of that again because this is good stuff. This is, I think this is good stuff. I hope, I hope you think so as well. Here, here we go.
0: There are a lot of preachers who never tell stories but have the reputation of being good storyteller because the way their sermons move. Movement is more important than structure because it's not going to be pictured on a camera. It's going to be heard by the ear. Now, a good story, if it fits and if it's appropriate, is powerful because it reminds most of the people in the house of something that happened to me when I was nine years old. My father did that. I remember the church back home. And here, everybody then has something they want to say. And that's what good preaching does. It causes people to want to say something themselves. So it's a toss up. But good
1: That's interesting. Now I like he said, a story if it's appropriate. So I think I think that's what you have to realize. Is this story gonna be helpful and appropriate? Or is it gonna overshadow? But good preaching leads people to wanna say something. They, they got something to say. I, 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 I definitely try to do that. I mean, I, am very, I do very much kind of a Socratic approach to the way I preach. If you've ever heard my preaching, I do much more of a Socr- Socratic approach. I, I, de- I like to ask questions and I do get the people involved. I don't like it open ended where people can just go on or uh, they start preaching themselves. I try to control it because that can be dangerous and you gotta, you gotta keep it under control, obviously. But I, 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 don't, I always want, My preaching, and even if you listen to my podcast, you'll know that I constantly try to, to, I don't like the passive listener. I try. I, I give assignments. I tell people to do this. I, I'm always like, I'm wanting. I want it to spark conversation. I, I want what. I, what I hope when people leave my church, or even when they're down listening to my podcast, is they they have to talk about it. They got to find someone to say, "Man, there was this," and then I don't know about this, and I, I really don't. And then this, and I, I never thought about this. I, like I, it's supposed to lead to something. It's supposed to lead to more. I don't want people to remember points. I want people to be engaging in dialogue about it. Now, there was a time I think I wanted people to remember my points. So I repeat them and repeat them. I wanted them to remember the outline. Now, there are times that I do think the points and the outlines are very important. And I will be repetitive, 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 repetitive. Especially if I'm trying to get people to understand the structure of of a text then I may break it down and then be very repetitive in its structure, depending on the text. And Jeremiah, I've tried not to do that. Because, see, Jeremiah, I believe that because of the way the book is written, trying to get so like, okay, here's, we're going to break this down. We're going to break this chapter down. I think it's actually detrimental. I think for Jeremiah, we have to try to move through it. And try to gain the main idea, the main focus, because we can get so lost in the details. Cause we got so much, we got so many different genres of, of literature being utilized. We've got things are not in chronological order. Sometimes we don't even know who's, ta- is that Jeremiah talking? What is that God? Did they switch back to Jeremiah? We've got questions that we got textual issues uh, between the Masoretic text and the Septuagint. We got a million issues going on. So there are sometimes I think with like uh, I could get so focused on these smaller things, I'm trying to say, no, what's the bigger point here? What's the bigger point here? What's the bigger point here? So I think each text calls for different things. All right, let, let's continue.
0: Preaching, if it dips into the qualities of storytelling, uh, it's pretty close to the same power. I'd hate to come off in front of everybody saying a story was better than a sermon, but a good sermon seems like a good story
2: this question comes from a presbyterian pastor in decatur illinois jim montgomery he asks how do you specifically choose or create stories in your sermon preparation and he also wants to know specifically what percentage of your stories would you say are based on your life and is it okay to
0: create stories make them up there are several things i do number one is uh, most of the stories that I tell grow out of observation, something that I observed, heard, watched, experienced. But I try not to be on camera myself, but hold the camera in the story on the other person. It may start off, I was in the airport the other day, but it moves to the other person. You don't want to make it, a, you know, too much. But when I have such an experience, talking with a child, visiting with a man on the street, uh, something that happens in the sanctuary, in a home, wherever, all kinds of things, if it strikes me as having the quality of common human experience, it would cause somebody to say, that's exactly the way life is. I write it down in detail. It may be in a nursing home. It may be in a kindergarten. But the time and the place and who and what was said, I write it on one page And I have notebooks of these. Seventy-five percent of them never see the light of day, never occur in a sermon. But it enlarges my capacity to sympathize and empathize with people. So I preserve the stories. Very seldom do I tell a story that you read in a book or in another sermon or something like that. Now, it's tough to choose them. They choose themselves, more or less. But you have to have a stock of material out of on which you draw coming into the sermon. You don't want to sit there chewing your pencil or doodling with your machinery saying, now I need a good story at this point. That's going to be a flop, a real flop. There will be experiences you've had, things you've observed that will say, let me in right here, I'm, i fit right in here, and you'll have a hard time keeping it out. I don't have any order or catalog or subject arrangement of these stories. They're just there. And I reread them sometimes and uh, mess up sometimes. But I don't believe you should avoid experiences you've had. But you have to believe it's not unique to you. People are not going to sit back and say... Our pastor has some really unusual experiences every time he goes to the Fiji Islands or something like that. It has to be out of the heart of life so people identify with it, whatever the source. And uh, sometimes it's, it's appropriate to create a story. I have it on good authority. Jesus created stories, parables. You have to put a tag on it. He put a tag on it. Which one of you or... Once there was a certain man. Once you start that way, the listener says, parable. Well, if you start off, you want to put a tag on it. Let us suppose, suppose there were, if it were the case, some little tag that says created. I usually insert an absurdity in a story so that everybody knows it's not fact. It's created. But the fact that it's created doesn't lessen the quality. You don't want it to be fakie, trying out stuff on the listeners. But experiences from life that you've observed that intrude themselves into your sermon saying, now here's where I fit into your preaching. Otherwise, if you're grabbing for stories, you'll use one too soon or too late. You use it too soon because, you, hey, that's a good story, and you put it in a sermon And then a month later, there's a good place where it would have fit. But it's too late. You've already used it. It's a delicate piece of material. Garrison
2: Keillor is a great storyteller. Some say his monologues are rather like
0: sermons to his flock, his listeners. Do you ever listen to Garrison? Yes, I listen to Garrison Keillor, and I read Garrison Keillor. He is a master storyteller. And he has a keen moral sense and a keen ethical sense. He can sneak up on you with a story. and You think he's talking about hog-killing time in Minnesota. But actually, there's something about life and the sacredness of life that he's getting across. But he's the best I have heard. He's a sort of a prose uh, Burl Ives. Uh, I don't try to imitate him because he has the capacity to start a story that reminds him of another story, that reminds him of another, then he can come back to his original one. Uh, that's a little too much footwork for me. But I do, I do admire it and respect him very much.
1: There you have it. I don't know if we have a definitive answer in all of that. He definitely is for the storytelling. He definitely is for that. And I think there's no way to say it's wrong, obviously. I think there's dangers inherent to it, obviously, right? Because people remember the story. They remember the story. But if the story was saying, um... See, the goal, I think it really is the goal of preaching for people to leave... Remembering a point, remembering a moral, remembering an ethic, or is the goal of preaching they leave understanding the text? Is the goal they leave with, you know, oh, this principle, this idea, this philosophy, even though it may be based off scripture, it may be a scriptural concept. They remember the concept because of the story you told. So you're able to tell the story They remember the story, but they remember the point the story was making. So they walk away with a moral or an idea or or something or an ethic or something along those lines. But if you were to ask them, okay, what was what was the sermon on? What was the text? And I'm like, well, it was on John chapter six. Okay, how does the story fit with the text? And they they start they start trying to explain it and it's convoluted and you're like I'm not catching the connect and they're, I don't remember the connection, but I remember the story and I remember the point. Now, if the point is good, do you think that's okay? If they don't remember the text, see, I feel what I want to remember is we were in John six and here's what I, we were in Jeremiah 19 and because these places mentioned here, these places, this these places, and there was you know, human sacrifice, and then uh, these places, these very the Hebrew word and then going over and then looking into the Greek, that, that's that was the location that really gave that Jesus used to illustrate the concept of hell. Okay, if they can do that, they see then that to me is more important than I tell some story that helps them you know may may connect some idea of the danger of hell i want them to know how we got there textually i want them to remember the movement Okay, we started here in Jeremiah 19, we had this verse, this verse led us to here, we looked at this, we looked at this, we looked at these definitions in the dictionary, then we went to the Hebrew, then we ended up in the Greek, and then we looked up all of these verses that supposedly either use phrases like hell, or burning, or fire, or, or outer darkness, or gnashing of teeth, and then we say, okay, are those all referring to the same place, and do they give duration, and then like of all the things that we did on Wednesday night, Now, I could have thrown in some stories and maybe they would have been okay. But what if I told a story and everyone remembers the powerful story, the emotional story, and they're like, okay, yeah, but they don't really remember Jeremiah 19 or how we got there. Now, there has been so much written for almost, it feels like my entire Christian life. I mean, I feel like I've been hearing this, well, maybe not so much in the 80s, but I definitely heard it throughout the 90s. Bible college, seminary, wherever I went to school, I would hear this over and over and over. We have an epidemic in the American church. The people in the pew are biblically illiterate. The people in the pew are theologically illiterate. The people in the pew do not know church history. They don't know these things. And we have to fix it in the way we teach. Okay, well, my thing is... then how much storytelling before you don't, you're, you're actually keeping them still biblically and theologically illiterate, but they leave with a moral, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a good fable where they walk away with a good, you know, a good ethic, a good moral. They, it's a, it's a, they they walk away with a good point, but they can't articulate it or connect it to the actual scripture. Do we want them to understand the point or do we want them to understand the scripture? So I think there's a, I think there's a definite difference there. Like you can know the points and the points supposedly came from the text. But when you ask them how those points came from the text, some of them will be like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the pastor said that there were three points here and he took them from the text. And I mean, like here, here, here. And sometimes you're like, I don't really know those points actually. I mean, I know that maybe those words came from the text, but does the text really bring those points out? Does it really teach those points? We've reviewed sermons on this podcast where they've got three great points and they may sound great. They may sound spiritual. They may be convicting. But when you look at the text from which they were supposedly derived, you're like, uh, how did you get from there to there? The points are good. The points are convicting. The points may even be spiritual. The points may even be true, but they by no means came from the text, which you gave us and said that they came from. So if storytelling keeps everyone's interest, it's moving, it's emotional, it's interesting, it's riveting. People leave with some point, but when it's all said and done, they don't know this, then of what value was it other than a good speech, other than a good presentation, now, it's easy for me to be critical of it, right? It's easy for me to sit here and be critical of it because, well, that's not my necessarily style is to teach that way. But I'm saying no matter how we teach, there's all there, there's always stru- – there, for all the different ways people – well, I think there's – sadly, I think too many people follow just the same template, which drives me crazy. I think we need to have room for, for alternatives here. But okay, but let me just – let me say this. For no matter how we teach, no matter how you teach, no matter how you preach, we all have to acknowledge our the way we preach, the way we teach, for whatever strengths there are in it, there are inherent weaknesses and flaws in it, and there can be negative things that, that arise from it. Some may argue mine's too academic. My, my, our criticism typically is it feels like I just came out of university class. Now, in some ways, I'm like, whoa, that's good. Man, I was hoping, I was hoping, I was hoping I felt that way. But there could be negatives that flow from that. It could create pride and arrogance and maybe a lack of spirituality and more just about mental about knowledge and, and mental accomplishment than actual spirituality. But then others can be, Oh, I was moved spiritually. I felt it. I, I cried and it was, it was so moving. And then you're like, and you don't know anything about the scriptures, but they may be more, have more spiritual zeal, but it would be zeal without knowledge. If you have knowledge, but no zeal, <laughs> but zeal without knowledge, Somehow we need we – you want, you want the knowledge to lead to the zeal is what you want, right? But if you present it maybe the way I present it, sometimes as a puzzle, and we've got all of these pieces and we've got to work for the next hour, two hours, three hours, next week or the next month, however long, to put the pieces together and see what we come up with. I think it's fun. It's interesting that way. At least personally I do. But then sometimes once the puzzle is complete, everybody's like, whoo, I completed the puzzle. I'm the master of the puzzle. Look at me. And now, okay, give me another puzzle. Like, well, don't we have to do something with the puzzle? So see, that could be the negative for my. So I've got to be willing to look at the own negative, the own, that my own negative, the things that can arise negative, arise negative from my type of preaching and teaching. We're at 58 minutes. I can't believe we're at 58 minutes. What what happened? What happened to the time? I don't know. But I know this. Millions of people tomorrow will go to church. They're going to hear something. My fear is that's about it. They're going to hear something and they're not going to remember it. So, so what What can we do? Now, again, you've got a couple of approaches. You can blame the people. You can blame the people and co- become almost in a combative situation. Pay attention. What's your problem? Or you can just kind of say, all right, all right, you know what? You don't care. I don't care. Nobody cares. Let's just play along. Or maybe we call into question how we can better present the the truth In a way that maybe we we can learn some different techniques and ways to do so. I don't know if it will ultimately fix it because no matter what you do, I do know this. And this is just the hard, hard reality. Familiarity breeds contempt. Once they get used to your style, once they get used to the way you do things, it will just, just slowly but surely have little less and less effect on them because they've heard it so many times. That's why some pastors move all the time. I'm not a fan of that either. That's a whole different story. I think I think what it requires is everyone working together. I think the people in the pew need to take the hearing of God's word serious. And they have a responsibility to show up prepared. They have a responsibility to truly listen and engage. And they have a responsibility to take what is preached to heart, discuss it, talk about it, and and try to apply it to the best of their abilities. I think the preacher has a responsibility that no matter how frustrated he gets, no matter how upset he gets, he doesn't just cave and just start phoning it in and just start going through the motions, And I think the pastor has a responsibility to constantly be critiquing. I know that there's a level you can critique too much, but constantly like, what could I do a little bit better? How could I do this a little bit better? Or I think a pastor also has to try to convince the people, uh, the way he's doing things, why he trying to explain to the people, here's the reason I do this. This is what I, this is what I'm trying to accomplish here. I'm not, I'm not trying to just have a a sermon. At least I know for me, I don't care about having a sermon. I care about, Like tomorrow, are we going to understand Jeremiah 19 when we're done? Are we going to understand Jeremiah 20 when we're done? Are we going to understand Jeremiah 21? Are we going to understand Jeremiah 22? If we transition from Jeremiah and if we do do the, the series on dispensationalism, Are they going to really understand the history of dispensationalism? Are they going to understand exactly what dispensationalism teaches and how that hermeneutic impacts certain passages of Scripture? Just like what I'm trying to get people with our series on the proper distinction between law and gospel. How that is a massive hermeneutical concept that will change the way you interpret Scripture. It's my job as the preacher to say, hey, here's the reason we do this, and here's what I'm trying to accomplish with. If the people understand what you're trying to do, then maybe they have a greater chance of seeing it. But I think it requires both. The pew and the pulpit must work together for the preaching to be impactful. For preaching to be impactful, you have to have the pew and the pulpit committed to the same thing. Learning God's Word. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks to the person who made the comment. I greatly appreciate it. I always think uh, appreciate anyone who listens, and especially anyone who uh, comments. And um, hopefully there was something beneficial in all of this. Hopefully, 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 hopefully. Because whether it's podcasting, whether it's preaching, what you want is to actually end something that has benefited people spiritually. The preacher can't be in it for his own self-glorification and to make himself feel better. And so that he feels like he's a great preacher, a great teacher, and he gets compliments. He can't be in it for himself. And hopefully the people in the pew are not in it in a sense for themselves. They just want to be entertained. They just want it to be interesting. They don't want to be bored. Hopefully everyone is in it to say, hey, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a sermon, I'm there to learn. I'm there to understand the word of God. And so because I need the word of God, it's my spiritual food and I need it to grow and I need it to slowly but surely through the preaching and proclamation of God's word, slowly but surely grow spiritually and be changed. But if any side is not committed to that, well, then you have a lot of people in it for themselves. And people can be in it for themselves behind the pulpit. And people can be in it for themselves sitting in the pew. And the reason we find ourselves sometimes being in it for ourselves is because our sinful nature is still very much present. And the sinful nature is all about self. So tomorrow, are you going to make it about yourself, pastor? Are you going to make it about yourself, church member? Are we going to make it about God's word? And we're going to learn as much as we can about it. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.